Why does the New Testament have all the long genealogies in it? What does the book of Matthew say about the birth of Christ? And how does this compare to Isaiah 7:14 that says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. This is Kay Meyer of Family Shield Ministries. Join us today as I interview Reverend David Meggers of Concordia Lutheran Church in Kirkwood, Missouri. Stay tuned, you won't want to miss today's program. Thank you, Reverend Meggers, for being my guest today on Family Shield. It is good to be here. Merry Christmas. Thank you. And this is our Christmas special. So thanks a lot for joining me and and, uh, helping our listeners learn more about the birth of Christ an important, important thing for them to know about. Before we actually get started on talking about God's Word and what it says about the birth of Christ, tell our listeners about your family and maybe one favorite tradition that you have in your family. Maybe sometimes traditions change. So maybe it's a favorite memory uh, or maybe it's a tradition that you still do. Okay. Um, My children are both grown. I should say our children. Uh, Jeanette and I, my wife and I, have been married for 37 years, and our son, Phil, his birthday is actually today, as you and I talk, and our daughter, Christina, is uh, 30 years old. I have to do the math, make sure I got that right, and uh, she's married to Nate. Uh, Christina is a deaconess here in the St. Louis area at Salem and Afton. Nate is a graphic designer for a Concordia Publishing House. Our son, Phil, is a math and physics teacher and conditioning coach at Concordia Lutheran High School in Omaha, Nebraska. So we've kind of got this Concordia thing going on right now in our family. And we have a 15-month-old pride and joy grandson named Jackson. So he will make Christmas an extra joyful occasion for us. This year especially. And sometimes when those grandkids come, then some of those traditions that you did when they were very young come back. I'm watching his mother teach him about not taking the ornaments off the trees <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and they are pretty so you don't touch and uh, all those wonderful little lessons that the poor little guy has to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me one tradition that your family has done in the past or use or, do, or still does. Anything come to mind? One tradition was we traveled a lot because as a, a pastor's family, we were kind of far from uh, from family. But a tradition we began more when the kids were in high school was the day after Thanksgiving, we would uh, drive from Rockford, Illinois into Elgin, get on a Metra train, take the train and cups of coffee and hot chocolate downtown to uh, Union Station and then um, walk or take the bus over to the Magnificent Mile on uh, Michigan Avenue in Chicago and walk the uh, the street and view the lights and mm. just kind of enjoy that kind of a day together. And it's a tradition that must have been welcomed by the kids because even after college and even a couple of years ago, we would resurrect that tradition uh-huh. once in a while. Good. That's great. Well, there's so many great traditions that families have, and it's important. Um, But uh, one of the traditions that we like to encourage families to do is to read the Christmas story and 
talk about it with their children, not just go to church and learn it, but actually learn it in the home. Um, But as we begin talking about that, uh, in the beginning of Matthew chapter 1, it says, This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then goes on for 17 more verses with names of who begot who. Why is this long list of genealogy important? Why is the Bible uh, full of those names? And why do we, and I'm going to put myself in there, we tend to skip those when we read God's Word. I know I do, but it is important, isn't it? It is important. And whenever I teach a Bible class, we always start out and uh, we'll start reading that that first verse of Matthew, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then that begins this whole list. And I say, aren't you just sort of tempted at this point to skip all the way ahead to uh what is it, verse uh, 17, where it says, so all the generations from David, Abraham to David and so forth, and just skip all those names because, number one, they're very hard to pronounce. Mm-hmm. Number two, it looks like this horrendous grocery list, and you really do ask yourself, what is the point of all this? And that's a great question to ask is, what is the point of all this? And one point, of course, is that God is a faithful God, faithful to his promise, faithful throughout all of these generations to do what he said he was going to do, which is to crush Satan. And we see him working through all those generations of people who are, well, quite frankly, just a lot like us. They're they're sinful. They are fallible. They are not perfect. And in the midst of all those names, you find some pretty interesting stories. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can, can you name just one that might be interesting? I was hoping you'd ask because <laughs> I, I could name a couple. And, and uh-huh. really, the, the really interesting stories surround the women uh-huh. that are there. Uh, you have Ruth. Uh, Ruth shows up, and she's so interesting because she's not of the line of Abraham. She's a foreigner. And one of the things that we come to learn about Jesus showing up when he does is that over those 400 years or so of the intertestamental time, uh, uh, some traditions had grown up about what Messiah was going to be like and that he would be this um, sort of perfect Jew, pure blood. And here you've got Ruth, oh. and she's she's a foreigner. And um, you've got some very fallible people in the person of David and Bathsheba, who was not his wife, but she did bear him a son. And um, so we see that even the great King David was a sinful human being. And so as you go dig into his story, you find out that just like us, David had to be called to account for his sin. And Nathan the prophet and that that great story of how he says to him, you're the man, you are the one who who has committed this sin. And uh, then the great message that rolls out of that is David's repentance and restoration by God as well. So God doesn't just uh, select the, the, the rich ones or the best ones. He is inclusive in even the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And, and that's the what's foreigner. kind of— foreigner. That's, that's right. a great message for people that say, oh, well, Christianity, that isn't for me because God loves all people. That's what's kind of fun about digging into that that Matthew genealogy is I think you end up by bridging some of those stereotypes, cultural stereotypes about who Jesus is and what Christmas is all about. And as you said, yeah, this is about God choosing 
whom he chooses in the way that he chooses, not according to some sort of um, preconceived human scale of you know one to ten where we we choose only the perfect ones Mm -hmm. yes very very much so well that's great and we could have spent the whole time talking about that but i just wanted to touch on that so the genealogies are important and we can learn a whole lot we could do a Mm -hmm. bible study Mm -hmm. on all of those people in fact Um, in fact we yeah at my particular church that's exactly what we're rolling into is a a long-term study of the the gospel of matthew Uh and uh so I'm, I'm glad you asked me about that. Well, great. And a little bit later, I'll, I'll uh, share some information with our listeners so that they can get connected to Concordia if they're here in the St. Louis area and don't have a church. In the Old Testament, um, we read uh, these words in Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. And uh, in Matthew one eighteen, uh, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. A prophecy from the Old Testament to the New Testament. First of all, for our listeners, explain what a prophecy is, because I think it's critical to understanding God's word. And a lot of times people don't get the Old Testament prophecies and the New Testament prophecies and how important that is. Right. And and the real stamp of approval on those prophecies comes in a, a text like Luke 24, where Jesus is talking to his disciples after his resurrection. He, he talks about how it was necessary and he unfolds for them all the prophecies, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. And I always said, wow, if I had been around at Luke 24, I wouldn't have had to go to seminary, which would have been, you know, four years less of, of, of education. But um, prophets in the Old Testament typically had two roles. One was to be a proclaimer and or a, a forth teller of God's word. And the other role was to be that, that foreteller, uh, to be that instrument through whom God would give his people uh, a glimpse of what he was going to do in the future, especially to fulfill the first promise made to Adam and Eve, actually spoken to the serpent in the garden, that evil was going to be crushed. So the fulfillment of those prophecies means that God is faithful. He is truthful. He's not a liar. He had this planned for us a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good, and that came up before, and I, I like that as a theme, that God is faithful, and God promises, and God fulfills those promises. Which kind of takes us back to those stories from, from Matthew, is that where you see the unfaithfulness of people, you see God's faithfulness woven in and through that, and he will not let his plan fail. Right. Now, um, I don't remember what verse it is, but I was reading uh, that Mary, after the angel and others told her and she found out she was pregnant, she was kind of like, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Uh, This verse, the two verses that I just read, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Many people in today's world think this story of Mary being a virgin is a myth. But God's word clearly tells us that you know, this child was human because of Mary, right? but was uh, God because 
it was God's only begotten son. Mm -hmm. How can this be? (laughs) Explain this. And I wish I could. Um, But yeah, let's try it this way. Ordinarily, children are brought forward by conception between a man and a woman. That's how God has designed us as humans to procreate. But he's the one who makes the rules, and he is not bound by what is ordinary for us. So in this case, in order for Jesus to be, as you said, true God and true man, he is born of a virgin, but conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And and for your listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with Scripture, the Gospel of John really unfolds what it means that Jesus is true God mm-hmm. and true man, and and the the beauty and joy that we we receive from that gift. You bet, you bet. And again, going back to that verse, uh, the virgin will be with child and will call him Emmanuel, which means kind of a clarification in Matthew that wasn't in the Old Testament, which means God with us. God with us, right? And and again, to go go right back to that garden, what happened in the garden was that. God could no longer be with Adam and Eve. God could no longer be with his creation in the way that he had been. And so in this this name, Emmanuel, we have a promise that God is going to return things to what they were, and he is going to be with us again. Good, good. I want to make a few announcements, and then we'll continue talking about the Christmas story from God's Word. Thanks for listening to Family Shield. Family Shield is aired on 51 radio stations throughout the United States and around the world. If you're a Thrivent financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice Dollars to Family Shield Ministries. Call Thrivent and ask for Choice Dollars or go to their website at www.thrivent.com and then Thrivent Choice. Each week, Family Shield gives away a booklet to our listeners. Today, we're giving away Glad Tidings, which shares information about some of our most popular Christmas carols. To order this booklet, contact our response center at 1-877-317-4326. You can also sign up to receive the Family Shield email newsletter on our homepage at www. FamilyShieldMinistries.com. It shares upcoming radio topics and guests, as well as other resources and information. Thankfully, the gospel is free. I love to proclaim that gospel message to our listeners, and so do my guests, but radio airtime is not. Please pray for Family Shield and support us with a gift to help us continue to air this Christ centered radio program. Send your gifts to Family Shield Ministries. P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. You can also give a gift through PayPal. My guest again is Reverend David Meggers. He is a pastor at Concordia Lutheran Church in Kirkwood, Missouri. For our listeners that are in the St. Louis area, maybe some of them don't have a church or are looking for a new church, the website is www.concordiakirkwood.org. But you have a lot of services and special events coming up. Can you just share just briefly a little bit more with our listeners that might be looking for a church or want to come to a new church during One the One of my favorite things to talk about. Right. Thank you, Kay. And actually, we just changed the actual website address to CK, C as in Charlie, K as in Kite, home.org. 
And uh, we, we offer a number of services on the weekends. We have a 5 o'clock on Saturday evening, an 8 o'clock, and a 9.15 service on Sunday morning. And those, are, oh, those three services are in our little bit more tra- traditional sanctuary. And then at 9.30 and at 11 a.m., we have in our Concordia Center our more contemporary form of worship. And then on Tuesday night, we have a, a more small group-oriented worship experience called The Open, and that meets at 6.30 also in the sanctuary. And yes, people are invited to to come and, and worship with us. Wonderful. I hope that they will. Uh, Concordia is my church. Uh, I don't know how many of our listeners know that, uh, so I, I can certainly say great church and uh, great place to uh, have a family uh, grow up because uh, lots and lots of things happening at Concordia. Um, well, we were talking about um, the, the Christmas story, and we didn't really talk a lot about it. So most of the story comes in God's Word in both Matthew and Luke mm-hmm. um, as far as the details of it. Uh, what else do you like about the story that you want our listeners to know about? May I share my favorite Scripture Christmas story with Absolutely. you? Absolutely. I love Luke's gospel account. I love Matthew's gospel account. In fact, I love Luke's, especially when Linus reads it in its Christmas Charlie Brown. I think that's one of the best readings ever of Luke chapter 2, and I understand Schultz had to fight to get that in there in the show. But my favorite is uh, John chapter 1, verse 14. It's so simple. It's so to the point. It so summarizes what God did for us. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, meaning he lived among us for a while. Mm. Great. I noticed you had mentioned uh, John because John, the book of John, doesn't talk about the birth of Christ, no. but it talks about so much about the deity of Jesus Christ. And uh, and that's important for us to understand that Jesus was both, and I've said this already, true God and true man at the same time, one person. Exactly. And, uh, and that is why the birth of Christ was so absolutely amazing that the father would send his son uh, to suffer and die in our place. But first he had to be born. Right. And and listeners might wonder, well, then why doesn't John record the Christmas story if it's that important except for one verse like that? Well, John was written something like 30 years later. The Christmas story was already known by people. What was going on was they were starting to question whether he really was true God and true man. So John's not going to retell the whole story, but by saying the word became flesh, now people go back to Matthew, and here's Jesus born to poor Mary and Joseph, just a a regular, actually very poor kind of couple, Mm -hmm. and um, in Luke as well. You bet, you bet. And again, I encourage our, uh, our listeners to make a tradition to read the Christmas story. It doesn't have to be out of the Bible. It could be a, a children's book from one of the great Christian publishers. Right. CPH is here in St. Louis, but there are many books out there. Uh, but but it could be, right, especially as they get a little older, right out of a children's Bible or an age-appropriate uh, story, and there are many. You don't have to read every dot and dash. I had one time I had a guest that said he was reading through the New Testament with his three-year-old, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> overkill. No, I would not recommend that. But, but you're uh, right. It's important to just Become acquainted with those Bible stories so that you know the characters and and the the bigger story is what is God doing through yeah. these people. Right, right. Make it relevant and right. help them understand that 
that it is real. Mm -hmm. So now uh, I want to jump forward about eight days after Jesus was born. His parents, the Bible calls them parents, and of course we know Joseph was like an adopted father, but he raised Jesus. Uh, About eight days after that, uh, they went to the temple and they sacrificed uh, it says either turtle doves or pigeons. Right. Uh, what did that sacrifice mean about Mary and Joseph? I mean, what does it tell us about them? Um, for one thing, it tells us that they were faithful to the, their faith, to their Jewish faith. Um, the idea of sacrifice, I think, especially in this case, for the firstborn, uh, a redemption kind of a thing that in place of our son, Lord, you are willing to accept this little sacrifice. And they were poor. Mm-hmm. If they had been wealthier, they would have brought something much more substantial. This was kind of like the minimum um, minimum sacrifice that a, a couple could bring. Mm-hmm. And um, so what does that tell us about Mary and Joseph? Um, again, back to what you had said earlier about who it is that God chooses, not necessarily people dressed in fine robes and so forth. Um, not the rich, not those of um, you know of the the family of of the king at that time. Although Jesus is a descendant of King David, but uh, again, God chooses whom He chooses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, good. And uh, while they were at that uh, uh, at the temple, they met uh, Simeon and Anna. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk for a minute about uh, either one of those, or, or you know, just a little bit more about what that meeting meant and why God put that in his word? That's a that's a great question. Um, again, I think it goes back to that, that faithfulness that God had. And here you have Simeon and Anna, uh, two very long-standing faithful people who had waited so patiently um, to see the coming of the Messiah and there was no guarantee that Messiah would come in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. But here you get an, an episode, an account of what happens when at least two people who have been waiting a long time, very faithful people, um, they know their Old Testament prophecies. Now, here comes the Savior. It's almost like a, I don't know if an exclamation point would be the right word, but it seems like an exclamation point on this is the Savior. This is Jesus, the one who was promised. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. Um, I don't remember that much right now. I just wrote their names down, but Anna was like 84 years old. Yeah. Wasn't she like a prayer warrior, praying, praying? She was, yeah. she. That was what she had uh, had been about ever since, uh, I, I think her husband had died rather early, and this is what she then devoted her life to and um, got to... Uh, be an eyewitness of the fulfillment of God's promise in this this little one called Messiah or Jesus. Yeah. Now, if, if we go back, we know that the shepherds came to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about that. The angels proclaimed right. his birth. Um, but, but we also know uh, realistically that the Magi did not come while Jesus was in the manger. Probably, what, two years later, maybe? Yeah, it could have been as, as, as much as two, up to, up to three, based on how old the children were that, that Herod, Herod had put to death. Um, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of neat to, to slow that Christmas story down in the midst of our Christmas rush and do what you're doing, Kay, and that's 
taking a look at some of the details here. Here are the shepherds. Mm-hmm. Um, here are the angels. Sometimes we rush right through those and and we miss that. You know, here are the the very messengers of God um, coming to Earth, making contact with some of the the most lowly mm-hmm. people, and giving us hope that that's indeed how our God wants to meet everyone, anyone, no matter what their status. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So we have about three minutes left, and that's plenty of time. But I want to ask you what else you'd like our listeners to know about the birth of Christ, God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. Um, if we can go back to that word Emmanuel that you, you talked about, is that one of the things I think I'd like listeners to know is that the Christmas story is not the end. It's Sometimes we stop too soon. It's the beginning and opens up to us the whole gospel of Matthew. And I'd like to invite them, as you did, to, to read through that gospel of Matthew and see what does this mean to have a God who is with us. Watch Jesus now as he preaches. Watch him as he teaches. To whom does he speak? Who does he seek out? Um, watch him as he heals. These healings are also fulfillments of prophecy because those were signs that would point to the coming of the Messiah so that when finally we get to the cross, we see what does that mean that God is with us? He's true God and true man. Well, as true man, he's actually able to die, but that as true God on that cross, he's able to, in that death, be the sacrifice that pays for all of our sins. And then when he rises again on Easter Sunday, gives us that victory and then, then the story doesn't end because he promises to come back, mm-hmm. um, and he does come back in the person of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Um, he promises that he has gone on ahead of us to prepare a place for us, and um, when it's the right time, he will come back for us or take us home to him. And and isn't it amazing that even as he, um, uh, at the very end of, uh, not the very end, but when Jesus uh, goes to be with Uh, the Father in heaven, and he sends his Holy Spirit. Thanks for reminding us of that. Then he gives this job to us. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. And and, and we need to start that going in the home. And I like to say that a lot. It's (laughs) in the home first, but then God will give us lots of other opportunities to to go to co-workers, to, to go to our children's uh, families, friends, and neighbors, and those in the community that we don't know, but we start in the home. And I think a lot of times there's an awful lot of evangelists that have left their kids sitting at home as they go out and share God's love with others. We need to start in the home, and we need to, as you've done now, go to our grandchildren mm-hmm. and uh, so many great things. Um, so again, my guest has been Reverend David Meggers of Concordia Lutheran Church. This is Kay Meyer, and I'm the host of Family Shield. I want to encourage you again, if you don't have a church and you are in the St. Louis area, to uh, to learn more about Concordia Family Shield. Uh, you can go to our website, www.familyshieldministries, to learn more. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ.
grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123.